How's it going, folks? Welcome to episode 18 of the Lean with Dean podcast. I'm your host, Dean. And here we have what was an absolute pleasure to record with none other than Owen Costello, basically insult Owen on Instagram. Owen is a type 1 diabetic, and I'm going to be honest with you, I learned more about diabetes and the differences and the roles and basically everything to do with diabetes and the diabetic community in this podcast and I learned in my last 10 years as being a coach. Really enjoyed this conversation. A fellow dub, fellow Irish lad. So it was great to kind of go ahead and have a little chin wag with Owen and see how he's getting on. And also we went ahead and learned a little bit about the COVID vaccine and how that's going to relate to the, uh, the diabetic community and how that affects them and where they kind of fall on the list regarding when they get the vaccine, which is which was interesting and I never actually uh, never looked into. I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. Make sure, as always, to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a cheeky five-star review on Apple because the algorithm does help us. So I'm going to leave you to it. Go ahead, check this out, and enjoy. Mr. Owen, what's the crack? Dean, what's the crack? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, good, it. man. It's good to have. Now, I know I had my, my man Shane on a few weeks ago. But it's good to have a, someone who sounds like me on. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm delighted to be on. Thanks for having me. No, nah, cheers, mate. Kind of like you were mentioned to me by a couple of my clients to go and go ahead and have on, on pal. And um, like obviously kind of they have experience with diabetes and that. And I thought it would just be great to kind of get you on to kind of chat away. And I've, that, I've got the lights set up. So I look resemb- like a solid six out of ten compared to yourself. But Jesus <laughs> Christ, mate. What's the crack? <laughs> Oh, don't be saying that to me. Make me <laughs> making me blush now. <laughs> don't worry well, for anyone for anyone who wants to watch the uh, the video it'll be on YouTube. But uh, Owen's blushing right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm completely pale. That's the, that's the thing. Stop, Irish weather, mate. Um, so Owen, for anyone who is listening who isn't in the diabetic community or just isn't aware of you, who the hell are you? Who the hell am I? So my name is Owen Costello. I am from Bray, the sunny the sunny coastal side of Bray. Um, I am an online coach, personal trainer, specifically training type 1 diabetics because I myself am type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed in 2012 and since then I've kind of tried to live, uh, live and promote a healthy, happy life with the condition and um, that kind of led to the coaching. That has now led to my diabetic podcast, which is the Insulone podcast, Redefining Diabetes. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Sick, sick. Were you um, <laughs> <laughs> so like you, you mentioned there kind of about going into coaching before, like kind of we dig too too deeper too deeper into diabetes. Were you a personal trainer prior to becoming a diabetes coach? Yeah, so I was training people like quote unquote normal people um, before <laughs> beforehand, and then because diabetes is obviously such a massive part of my life, and the more I kind of got involved in promoting diabetes itself online. More diabetics were reaching out to me. So then I thought, look, diabetes is kind of my expertise. It's what I live with every day. It's what I know so much about. And fitness in itself is such a massive part of living with diabetes. It's a non-negotiable. You have to move or exercise in some way to help your blood sugars each day. So then I was thinking, look, why not just kind of have that niche why not just specifically work with type 1 diabetics which i have done now up to this point and what i continue to do and um i'm loving it i love Savage. i love working with other diabetics and I, it's one of those things that 
when you work with somebody who is who is diabetic, obviously they appreciate the fact that I am diabetic, you know, because there's there's so much shite that you have to live with and deal with each day with diabetes. It's reassuring for them to know that look, I experience the same stuff each day, you know. Um, so that's why it's been so good and that's why I enjoy it so much. Yeah, I only had this conversation with my wife started the other week. We were chatting about kind of postpartum and like coaches who are postpartum and she she feels that she would be more inclined to hire a postpartum personal trainer who has had a baby versus someone who only knows the theory of it as opposed to the practical side. Absolutely. It it gives you again, it's that word reassurance. You know, if you're speaking to somebody who's offering you advice or guidance when you know they have experienced or are continuing to experience similar issues or concerns or thoughts around that idea, it just puts your mind at rest. You feel more confident taking on that advice. Yeah. There's, um, I, I completely agree. And even, even kind of some of the stories I've shared with my clients over the years, like whether I've dealt with like weight gain or even kind of from since becoming a dad, like a lot of my clients are gravitating are coming to me as a result of me being a dad. I was like, oh, Jay is then like you have sleepless nights. You're having to juggle work, being a husband and being a dad at the same time. Like how like I want to work with you as a result. So it's definitely that reassurance. I feel a lot of um, clients and Joe public do kind of gravitate towards um, along the diabetes side, mate, did you, how did you know, or how did you feel prior to getting diagnosed to having diabetes? Like was there any telltale signs? Yeah, big time. So with type one, and like we were briefly talking about earlier, Dean, before we press record, there are various types of diabetes, but the two most common are type one and type two. So type one is the one I have. Type two is the type that you would generally associate with maybe people being unhealthy, overweight, inactive, these kind of things. With type one, the one I have, it's an autoimmune disease. There is nothing I can do to prevent it. Nothing I can do or nothing I did to bring it on. It's just like, boom, flick of a switch. Mm. Unlucky. <laughs> this thing has happened. Um, but leading up to it, yeah, it's the onset is quite rapid. So it was around Christmas time, 2012. And I was 19 at the time. So I was off school. I was going to parties. I was going to bars. Everything that we do at Christmas, you know yourself. And, uh, <laughs> Christmas Eve yeah exactly yeah um but i'd lost a lot of weight in about three four weeks i'd lost about a stone and a half in a very very short space of time but because of that and because of the time of year i was drinking a lot and probably not eating as much as i would have because you know i might have been hung over just yeah. been out more and that kind of thing so i always justified the weight loss or whatever it was to being something else I was constantly thirsty. I remember I was standing by the sink, just down a pint after pint after pint of water. Unquenchable thirst. I had absolutely no energy. Anytime I sat down, I would just fall asleep. And I just felt like shite, to be honest. Yeah. It felt awful. Um, but because I was 19 and kind of at that age, you feel as if you're invincible and nothing's wrong with you. I was like, I'm grand, I'm grand. It's just because it's Christmas and I'm tired or whatever it mm. was. I justified everything. But my parents were kind of like silently concerned in the background. And one day they suggested that I that I go down to 
the GP to get a blood test. And I was kind of reluctant about it. I was like, I'm grand, I'm grand, I'm grand. Yeah, so I the classic Irish thing. I, yeah, exactly. I, I don't worry about me, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but it was actually Christmas Day. I went to mass. I'm not very religious, so it's just like a tradition, a tradition that we do. That, that's just a that's just a, a hat tip to your, to your nan. Like, I went to mass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Has to be done. Um, but I bumped into a friend who I hadn't seen in a while. And she goes, you look really different kind of hesitantly and I was like how do you mean she goes I don't know you just look different and looking back it's because I had lost so much weight but I didn't notice it as much um, yeah but then it was like the 4th of January or something I went down got a blood test and then a couple of days later my GP called me said is that on it is and he, I was actually hung over in bed at the time <laughs> and, and uh he goes, your blood test came back. You're type one diabetic and you need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, oh my God, like what the, I didn't know what to think. Do you know yeah. what it does? I knew nothing about yeah. diabetes and I never even would have imagined associating the word diabetes with myself because I was thinking, you know, this is somebody who's unhealthy. This is somebody yeah. who is inactive. I was always fit and always playing sport and stuff. So I was like, that can't be true. But anyway, was rushed into the hospital. Um, they checked my blood sugar. My blood sugar was 38 at the time. And to put that into perspective, your blood sugar should be between four and eight. That's it, like a healthy range. Mine was like just dangerously high. Jesus. They said I was less than 48 hours away from a coma, um, which was insane. So good time. And I got yeah, just 100%. Time. Um, And then after that, I was straight on a drip in a bed and kind of, got the crash course on how to manage my blood sugar and then stayed for the weekend. And then I was out of the hospital and on my way, basically. Jesus Christ. And like a bar, bar like kind of the weight loss and being thirsty and tired as hell. Just is, is there any other like telltales that like kind of someone could have, or are they, are they the main, the main three? Like they would be the main ones, weight yeah. loss, fatigue, thirst, and then frequent urination. Obviously, that has a lot got to do with the amount of water that you're going to be <laughs> drinking. Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of like the four main ones. Um, yeah. And I would suggest that if anyone experiences any of these, that you might think mm, this could be something. Just go down and get a, a blood test just to be sure. You know, because you don't want to be living in that extra 48 hours going a bit closer than I did, you know. No, that's, that's, a, that's a danger zone like where you start getting a little bit too close to comfort. Mm, exactly. And mate, so you come out with what January now, like kind of you're a fully fledged T1 diabetic. Um, obviously you kind of went ahead and start to educate yourself more on this. And like, is there much, is there many courses out there to become more educated in diabetes or did you have to search it all yourself? There would be, yeah. Like there's, there's a few, but for me, it was all just kind of educate myself. Yeah. I became quite obsessed by it quite quickly in a good way, you know, and I said to you earlier, I felt the age that I was diagnosed at 19, I was kind of at an advantage because I was old enough to realize that, look, this is serious, but I also wasn't so old that I was kind of really stuck in my ways. So because I was old enough to realize the severity of it, I was just researching everything. And I remember, I remember, it was kind of like my guilty pleasure in a weird sort of way where when I was in college, I, I originally did animation. And when I was in college, I was uh, 
<laughs> I was like supposed to be doing college work, but I'd just be at the back of the class researching diabetes stuff. Class. You know, um, and I just became obsessed by it. And because I knew that this is a condition that like the responsibility comes down to you, you know, the reality of it is I'll see my doctor once or twice a year. Every other hour of the year, it's me and my diabetes. So the more I know about how to manage diabetes and the more I know about my own body, yeah. the easier it will be. So a lot of it was just trial and error too, as in trying different insulin doses, trying different exercises, trying different foods, like how stress affects me, how lack of sleep affects me, all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, just yeah years and years and years of trial and error and just being obsessed by it to be honest and and it takes that like being obsessed and trialing things to find out literally what works and not just kind of what what works and doesn't work for you because then you can kind of better advise your clients and say here like i tried this years ago i got some relief out of it it didn't work long term for me but this might be something for you yeah absolutely so much of it is trial and error you know and and I always say, and anyone I work with, I always say, look, all type one diabetes is the same, but no type one diabetic is the same. What I mean by that is the condition as a whole is the same, but yeah. because everybody is an individual, everybody has a different lifestyle. Everybody you know, has different emotions towards certain things or different activity levels. <laughs> Your diabetes as a result will be different too. So it's important that you have a really, really almost like acute understanding of the core principles each day in relation to managing your blood sugar, whether that be insulin doses, whether that be how food affects you, stress, sleep, hormones, all these kind of things. Uh, it feels as if everything can affect your blood sugar. So it's, it's a, certainly a complex condition to say the least. Yes. It's definitely one that I feel like even, even from my side, like personal trainers, like, we need to learn more because it's not covered. And we, we spoke about this like kind of briefly off air that it's covered on a surface level. It's like there's diabetes, there's T1, T2, there's hyper, hypo, and end of end of module. So like for me, living with living with diabetes and knowing that that's what, what's in the courses, it's a, it's a shame because it's so detailed. Yeah. And of course, like we said previously, before we press record, you can't go into such depth with something because it's such a broad subject as a whole. Um, but it's so complicated. <laughs> like it's when, when you suddenly have to take on the role of one of your organs externally, you certainly quickly realize how intricate and how kind of complex your body can be. You know, um, a lot of people think that it's just, sugar or carbohydrates that affect your blood sugar there are 42 confirmed factors that affect your blood sugar so it's a it's a lot to handle sometimes even right now i'm thinking i'm speaking to you dean and i'm like what where's my blood sugar at? <laughs> always it's like it's like a second part of your brain it's like yeah. my normal life and then my di my diabetes life jesus christ and you, you mentioned there about stress on like on a, how does stress affect your blood sugars so when you're stressed, as we know, stress hormones are released. So if your body is naturally releasing, well, not naturally, but if you're feeling overly stressed, cortisol, adrenaline are stress hormones that are going to be released. As a result of that, that will almost stimulate your liver 
to release glucose into your bloodstream, which will naturally spike your blood sugar. It's fine if you don't have diabetes because your pancreas will then secrete insulin to counteract it. But if you are a type one diabetic like myself, if you're stressed, when that, when your liver releases glucose, you've nothing to counteract that spike, you know? And it's funny, actually, if I do a podcast and I was looking at my, I was looking at my blood sugars right now, well, before I came on, you know, when you kind of get like a bit of a buzz and before yeah. you do something like an interview or whatever it is, that can be a small level of stress. It's like that adrenaline pump, you know? So when I check my phone to check my blood sugar, cause I've a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor, on That's my class. stomach connected to Bluetooth with my phone so I can monitor my, my, my blood sugar through my phone. There's a little spike. Oh, sorry, no. You can see on the video. Just before, yeah. So just before my bloods have a slight spike because it's like that, that small bit of adrenaline kind of kicking in. Uh, that's brilliant. Just fascinating to see. That, that's, that's class. I, and I didn't, because I've seen the one on the back of the arm. Mm. Um, that, there's a fellow from London. I can't remember his name. He had it. And I'd never seen it before. And I, I didn't know that you could actually monitor like that via Bluetooth and kind of check it out. And would you see, because we're talking about kind of like that excitement, because it is like that little bit of excitement that's kind of causing that little bit of a stress hormone, the <laughs> adrenaline going up. Would you get that before a workout? Not before. Hmm. But that's why exercise can be so complicated if, when, you're living with type, when you're living with type 1, because generally when you do an extended period, period of cardio, your blood sugars are going to drop, right? Because your body's using up the glucose in your mm-hmm. system. Therefore, your blood sugar is going to come down. Whereas it can almost be the opposite effect when you're doing resistance training or weight training, because similarly enough to when you're feeling stressed, it's likely that stress hormones will be released. You know, if you're lifting really heavy weights and these kind of things. So different types of exercise can result in a different blood sugar spike or drop. And again, it could be completely different for somebody else. For me, I know that when I go out for a run, my mm. bloods are inclined to always come down. And I know that if I lift heavy weights, my bloods are always inclined to go up. Whereas I have a client where when they run, their blood sugar goes up and when they do weights, their blood sugar drops. So it can be so, so different. Yeah. But for the most part, for me, that's the sort of response that I would see. So not just worrying about the fact that like, I want to get a good workout in or <clears> the things that everybody else kind of has in their head before a workout, like what type of training am I going to do? My nutrition beforehand, my nutrition afterwards. There's a whole other level of, there's a kind of like a whole other layer of um, detail when you're living with type one, because I need to understand, okay, if I'm exercising for this long, it's going to increase the chances of my blood's coming down. Mm-hmm. If I'm training more intensely, my blood sugar will likely go up. Um, so I'm trying, like, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible because I, I appreciate the fact that there's probably not many diabetics listening to this. They're probably like, what the fuck are you man talking about? <laughs> you know? um, but it, it is just that extra level. And I suppose what I'm trying to highlight or the point I'm trying to get across is diabetes is one of those conditions that it's so widely known as in everybody knows that diabetes exists there's nobody that's like i don't know the word diabetes yeah but it's so widely unknown and what i mean by that is people will 
automatically associate diabetes with like eating too much sugar, not being healthy, not being active. Yeah. But not truly understanding how unbelievably complex it is at times, you know? Um, and I think, and particularly for, for somebody like yourself as well, if you're training diabetic clients, it's, it's important that you know these things, you know, because potentially it can be dangerous if somebody is unaware themselves of how certain types of exercise could affect their blood sugar. So having a coach that understands that, um, again, will reassure them a lot. Yeah, and that just kind of brings it back to the point that you said, must have been what, nearly like 10, 15 minutes ago, that T1 is the same, but all T1 diabetics are not the same. Exactly. And yeah. that, that goes with everything. I'm sure you're the same, Dean. Any client that you take on, they're completely different. They may have similar goals, but a lot of the time, how they get there in terms of the amount of times they train during the week, the type of food they like to eat, the amount of food they can eat, yeah. the rest, their daily routines, their stress levels are completely different. Yeah, principle versus method. Like the principle is always the same, but the method differs and varies from individual to individual. Exactly, spot on. Yeah, um, like, obviously kind of like t- people think, people hear diabetics, they think T2. They never really kind of think of T1. Like and kind of there's always this like, misconception like kind of jesus all all t2s are like they're big lads they're big women kind of they've been having way too many skills for way too many years that kind of <laughs> that, that kind of crack are we starting to see a change like kind of in that perception of diabetics um with kind of the likes of yourself and kind of other like the likes of t1 tom other lads out there that are kind of driving the health side of diabetics and kind of being fitter being leaner being healthier and saying that no no like there is that other side of the coin which you can achieve I hope so. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the main goal of particularly my social media page is to prove that, look, diabetes isn't just this word where it means you're unhealthy or you're overweight or you're inactive or whatever it may be. Um, for me, it's, it's so important that people can differentiate between type one and type two. So again, with type one, the one I have, it's so different to type two, mm-hmm. like with type two, you will, you will initially start as becoming insulin resistant, then pre-diabetic and then type two, which for the most part can be treated with lifestyle changes and, and kind of more activity and stuff. Whereas with type one, it's just boom, flick of a switch overnight. You're, you're now diabetic. Yeah. And ha- the management around that is completely different. So I now have to take insulin every time I eat. So via like insulin injection every time i eat Mm. a type 2 diabetic would very like wouldn't have to do that as much as in only severe cases of type 2 would ever have to take insulin um whereas type 1 is just you have to that's a fact yeah so when you're going back to people trying to, to promote kind of healthy living with diabetes yeah it's a big 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 factor and it's important to me personally because it's something i live with and I want people to understand that there are different types of diabetes, you know, and I've, I've heard all the, I've heard all the comments before. It's like, you don't look diabetic yeah. or, you know, you're not fat or did you eat too much sugar as a child or this, that and the other. It's, like, <clears throat> it's, it's just the complete other side of that, 
you know, yeah. for me, type one and type two should be called different different things. names. Yeah, yeah, they just both are uh, related to the pancreas and insulin, obviously. Yeah, there's um, I had a I had a question here, like because obviously I put it up on Instagram, and obviously I have the handsome own coming on. Like, does anyone have any questions? <laughs> so, some someone like. I don't know if you heard him, like Insulone, like he kind of went ahead and asked, like, did he eat loads of sugar? But we kind of, we kind of, we kind of covered that one already. Yeah. Uh, but one of the lads had to ask in here, like, your favorite injections, so, and how you feel about the uncontrolled status for uh, the vaccine? I, I'm, I'm assuming he's speaking about um, COVID vaccine. Yeah. So my favorite, inje- <laughs> my favorite injection site. So <laughs> what, what he's talking about with favorite injection sites is. So obviously, as I said, I take insulin every time I eat. So it's like, I don't know, six times a day at least. Um, so I will almost instinctively go for a certain part of my stomach to inject because it's just like a habit that I do. But over time, if you're injecting into the same place over and over and over and over and over again, you can develop kind of hard lumps, mm. um, which aren't very appealing. Obviously, I don't have any so because I, tr- I try to rotate as much as possible. But again, if you're injecting in the same place and if there is a diabetic listening, it's important that you rotate your injection sites as much as possible. Because if I continue to inject in the same place over and over and over and over again, that will affect how the insulin is absorbed in that place. So I could eat a bowl of pasta and if I'm taking five units of insulin, if I inject in somewhere where there might be that kind of hard scar tissue developed, that will influence whether or not the insulin is absorbed into my body. And if it's not, that bowl of pasta will completely skyrocket my blood sugar. Yeah. So rotate as much as you can. I do my arms, shoulders, legs, stomach. I'm like a pin cushion at this stage, <laughs> to be honest. Like a, like a voodoo doll. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then in relation to the vaccine, yeah, it's that's something that's been announced, announced last week, I think, which is pretty frustrating because we're obviously in the vulnerable category for COVID and stuff. So the earlier I can get the vaccine, the better. But they had announced that diabetics were now up the list in terms of getting the vaccine earlier. But then they announced at the same time that people with an A1C, which is basically your average blood, <clears throat> your average blood sugar reading over a certain period of time, the higher that is, the more dangerous it is basically. <clears throat> so if you want to keep your blood sugar in a certain range each day, when you get an A1C test, this indicates your average over that, that time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if that's higher, it proves that your average blood sugar is higher, which is more dangerous and can lead to complications and all these kind of things. So with the vaccine, what they've announced is only people with an A1C over 7.5 are eligible for the vaccine which is extremely frustrating because when i go back to the point of there is no varied severity of type one it's all the same yeah just how you manage things um so my a1c is below 7.5 so i don't get the vaccine and is that it as a result of your one being like lower is that because you've managed it so well basically yeah so yeah, my so- average blood sugar is more in range than over 7.5 but it's funny as well two of my clients have consistently had an a1c over eight so their average blood sugar over a certain period of time has been higher than they would like yeah 
I've been working with them for two, three months and their A1C is now below that 7.5. So they can't get <laughs> So they're like, I was laughing, I was laughing on, on the on the phone with them the other day. They were like, Jesus, this, this is what I fucking get for, for yeah. taking the, the initiative to look after my diabetes. For, fact, for being healthier, like kind of sort yeah. myself out, I, I'm, I'm now down the list a little bit. Exactly, yeah. That's essentially what they're saying, unfortunately. Jesus, and then like, so the, the guys that are like um, A1C, 7.5 you said, was it? 7.5 or above, yeah. So Which those isn't lads entirely high. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. No, no, no. Um, so the likes of yourself and the, like next, are you just next in line or are you kicked way further down the list, like after other people with other um other diseases and issues? Yeah, I'm back down to the uh, original public. time for, for diabetics, which is I think like tier I think they do it in different tiers or something. Yeah. So I'm now seven, like tier seven. Yeah. Where I would have been bumped up to tier three or four, I believe, if my blood sugar was a bit higher. Just, just no. so basically, anyone listen, like have a massive ball of pasta and kind of take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But that's it. It's like it's like it's not it's not a very healthy incentive for for people to know that okay, I'm getting the vaccine if my blood sugar is worse. Yeah, basically, you can really kind of self sabotage purely just to get. <laughs> pumped yeah. up like i wouldn't advise it hell no hell no because the contraindications would be like like devastating there and Absolutely. you'd spend well, could you spend actually this kind of going off that how long would it spend you to how long would it take you to go from an eight down to what let's say your normal is like five pretty quickly you could go down quickly your your average blood sugar like a1c test that you'll get will generally be six or three months but most likely three months so i'll get a blood test three months to see kind of how things are so if i wanted to uh, <laughs> do a number on myself it would be, be pretty easy to you know <laughs> so yeah as i said i wouldn't advise it but if, if it's getting you the vaccine earlier jesus it's like it's like doing a bleeding dodgy insurance job like <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it yeah. i that's- was like i'll just go into the hospital and lie but yeah. uh, they obviously have my records. So yeah, there's like crayon, crayon over like that. <laughs> yeah, bit of tip X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, another question I kind of want, one of your kind of good followers. Um, as a T1, do you find the same exercise would affect your blood sugar in different ways? I think we kind of covered that a little bit with terms of like kind of the the kind of cardio and the resistance training. Yeah, are they asking like, will the same exercise on a different day have the same impact? I, I, I think it's more so like kind of, do you find that resistance training or certain exercises are going to pump you up or pump you down oh um, yeah absolutely I, uh, yeah yeah like like i said more often than not extended cardio like a walk or a run or a cycle will bring your bloods down that's because you're using up the excess glucose in your bloodstream to like as energy mm-hmm. and then the other side of that resistance training like i said with heavy weights that kind of thing <clears throat> if stress hormones are being released they're shooting your bloods up that's that's kind of is it hard to build muscle as a diabetic? Harder, yeah, mm. certainly harder, but not impossible. Um, and this is another thing, another misconception that people seem to believe is that if you take insulin, you are at an advantage in the gym or at an advantage. That's building one muscle. of the lads said that as well. <laughs> and this, like, this drives me nuts, you know. Yeah. And I don't know whether whether or not this comes from the idea of the fact that because we're actually injecting something, people automatically associate it as like a steroid yeah. or 
is it because in bodybuilding, bodybuilders will sometimes use insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point that I have to get across is the fact that I am taking insulin that my body doesn't have. Yeah. You know, I'm not taking any additional insulin because if I take additional insulin, my blood sugar will plummet and I could die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm not taking any excess insulin. This isn't helping build muscle. And the cons of diabetes will always weigh out the pros, unfortunately. Or taking insulin. Yeah. Like there, there are way too many things that can go wrong um, for it to be considered an advantage taking insulin, you know? Yeah. Um, like you're constantly living your life on a balancing board, essentially, to try and keep your bloods in range, not going high or low. And another thing <clears throat> that a lot of people don't know or are unaware of is the fact that if you are consistently living with high blood sugars or your blood sugars are going up and down and up and down and up and down that can affect a hormone called the luteinizing hormone or LH from the pituitary gland which stimulates testosterone production so if my blood sugars are consistently high essentially I I could be creating or secreting less testosterone which as we know is the male muscle building hormone Mm -hmm. so if you are a type 1 diabetic if your bloods are up and down frequently you're a lot more susceptible to lower levels of testosterone unfortunately um it's just another another perk of, of living with the condition so that's why i always say if you want to build muscle or if you want to lose fat or get stronger or faster or just fitter or healthier the number one priority all the time is managing your blood sugar because your blood sugar will essentially affect every bodily function in your system. You know, there's blood yeah. every part of your body. So it's a, uh, it's vitally important that you're within range. I think that was a long winded answer. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I just, I, I was just getting lost in your eyes. Now about, um, <laughs> does it's, what you mentioned there like about the testosterone and obviously kind of you live with diabetes and as there's always studies coming out like i am like whether it's pubmed or examine.com like i'm always going elbow deep or i was going to say something else but i don't think i've dropped an f on yet in this but um there's a study done uh lane norton do you follow him no i don't think so i'll bang, I'll bang your tag after this yeah i do um he, he put a post up there because like, there's always the studies that were done 10, 10 15 years ago. Sorry, are, is this bio lane? Yes. Oh, everyone, everyone knows me. everyone by yeah. their Instagram handle, <laughs> yeah. not their real name. I know, I know, I know. But he put a poster last week that uh, testosterone is not related to, doesn't guarantee muscle. Doesn't and it guarantee? A, doesn't, yeah, it was, it was I'm, I'm completely paraphrasing it and making a complete hash job of it. But it was um, something around the kind of, just the, the presence of testosterone alone does not increase or decrease, does not increase your chances of um, the building muscle. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was, and I was like, I yeah, which is very kind of like contradictory to kind of what we've probably been led to believe over the years. Mm. But And then what was the other one? Um, I'm following the mus- Luke, Luke Lehman, Luke Lehman uh, of the Muscle Nerds and mm. went on a complete rabbit hole there and stuff there the other day. And they were discussing blood pressure. So we know blood pressure, like 120 over 80 is generally the recommended um, the recommended thing. But he said, he was going, like the studies to suggest that it's actually 115 over 75, I think it was. 
So it's basically five down on the systolic and five up on the dice, uh, five down on the systolic, diastolic and systolic. I always mix them up. Um, but and any ten in the other direction increases your chances tenfold of cardiovascular and metabolic syndrome. Link me them. Yeah, like, them. like, and I, I was like, very interesting. I was blown away by it. I was like, what? Yeah, wow. We're getting because as a result of like test 10, 15 years ago, where it was like recommended 120 over 80, that's the gold standard. Like, that's like hit that 10, 15 years later. When all those guys who are involved in that control study 10, 15 years later, some of them have actually gone ahead and developed whether it's a metabolic syndrome or cardiovascular disease. Very interesting. Very, yeah, send me them. Are they on? They have links, obviously, to the. To the yeah, yeah, I'll um, I'll, I'll find them out to listen, kind of bang them across here. Like. Yeah, geez, they already kind of sound mind blown. <laughs> yeah, ah, like I, I came, I came upstairs. Like I was watching downstairs, all on the bike, putting on the television, onto the concept too. Away I go, I come upstairs. Ashton's like, why, why, why are you bleeding? Watching, expecting, I expect me to be watching like bleeding football with Aldo. So I'm like, I've just been watching something about blood pressure downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mind's blown. Yeah. Uh, and then I said to him, I was like. Were you expecting me to say it's like no, that's all. I got to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you've read enough tonight. Uh, you've read enough tonight. Just shut up. And then I'm asked, I was like, "Where's our Where's our blood pressure machine? I want to take it." <laughs> yeah. Does that? Uh, are you? And like, obviously, kind of calories in, calories out is important with like fat loss. Period. Is it more or less? Is a higher or lower? Excuse me on your kind of level of importance. Obviously, blood sugar is number one. But when it comes to like whether someone's looking to lose weight, build muscle, etc., does that still have a level of importance? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. For me, I I'm not just a coach now in terms of like the fitness side of things. Yeah. Um, I will get clients that come to me now who really just want to get a good hold of their blood sugar. So primarily I would say I'm coaching people on like daily routines, understanding insulin activity, meal timing, stress, all these kind of things related to their diabetes and managing their blood sugar but if somebody comes to me and they want to you know build muscle lose fat yeah of course the the core fundamentals then of all calories in calories out increase in protein rest consistency patience mm. all these kind of things will obviously come into play but for the most part it's kind of changed for me in recent months where it's more so just the diabetes side of things yeah you know, are you getting many diabetic clients come to you? Anyone who comes through my door with diabetes um, and doesn't like, it's too deep for me to kind of understand, or they, as you said, like kind of all diabetics aren't the same. It's not similar to someone who I've already kind of helped. I'll always outsource it because hmm. it's just, it's not worth getting into because I could, I could potentially do more harm than good. It's funny that you say that. Well, I doubt you would in fairness, because you have your, your head screwed on, but <laughs> I I was chatting to I was chatting to I just had like a sales call recently enough and a guy was telling me that he had been working with a trainer in the past he's type 1 diabetic and he wanted to put on muscle he wanted to build himself up a bit and his coach put him on something like six and a half thousand calories a day and said it doesn't matter where the calories come from he's an asshole and this guy's a type 1 diabetic and that would have sent he, him into next week he, he was saying his blood sugars have never been worse because to get to six and a half thousand calories a day, like he was eating fucking pancakes and loads of cereals and jams and all these like but, really, but really six, high like, calorie sugar. 6,000 calories. Like, like you, you and I know from me being like educating this, 
that's way too much of a surplus. That is that's stupid levels of calories, like you know. Like, did, um, you, did you? You probably did the same as me. Like when we were sixteen and seventeen, like all of the food, all of the calories. Yeah. Wherever you can get it, get it. <laughs> yeah. I I used yeah. to uh, I used to how I, how I didn't give myself type two I'll never know. <laughs> I used to go ahead and have three shakes a day that were basically I, I couldn't afford um I couldn't afford optimum nutrition serious mass, um, <laughs> so I used to make my own. It's like kind of peanut butter, a banana, bang lot of oats, and full fat milk. I think each one of them was ballpark two thousand calories. I used to have three of them a day. No way. Yeah. In excess then to like regular food. Or In excess you... to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All on a quest of not day? being a skinny rake. I was I was trying my best. I was getting an average across a week, like five thousand a day. Wow. Now That's that did lot. not last. It's completely <laughs> unsustainable. Because yeah. I felt like crap, and I spent more. Spent more times at the Jackson than in the gym, like. I'd say your body was just like, "What the fuck are you? What, what are you, are you doing? doing here?" Yeah, Do you remember, like you're a ginger teenager, like relax. You're not meant. To, you're not meant to be hench either. <laughs> yeah, <No>, stop. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was outrageous. But that's that's an extreme example of yeah somebody who's getting a diabetic client, and it's like this is their fitness goal, and then completely disregarding the holistic their, goal. Yeah. Their, their their diabetes you know which is which is more important because that potentially can be very 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 dangerous if you're eating that many calories a day which will come from inevitably Carbs. massive levels of or massive amounts of carbohydrate that's going to lead to your blood sugar just skyrocketing yeah, and being and consistent and then to keep that down, you're going to be pumping all all sorts of insulin. Well, as in massive amounts of insulin, which is to going bring to those things. levels back down. That's yeah. that's just madness. I've, I've never come across that before. And yeah. like I'm hoping if the PT is listening to this and a, a diabetic colon does end up on his doorstep, that they have the the foresight and the insight to kind of go and say, hold on a minute. Like I'm not best best equipped to kind of go ahead and deal with this. Hmm. Ah, yeah, well, it's not it's not that you shouldn't train them but because of course there's there's not enough diabetic coaches to go around for all the diabetics so of yeah. course people without diabetes are going to have to train diabetic clients but exactly. i think if somebody is listening to this and they do get a few diabetic clients coming in just be aware of the fact that you know high and high and low bloods can occur can yeah. and will occur with exercise exactly. and food so just be aware of that's it, it. Owen, um, right, we're back after the quick intermission there. The, door, the doorbell rang. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's both, just, both doorbells. Let's just go with that. <laughs> was, um, now, Owen, like, kind of the, th- the thing I've kind of got most from this podcast, but is um, like there's more to diabetics than what people think. There's more to diabetes than what Joe Public knows. 100%. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the main thing. As I said, diabetes is one of the most widely known everybody knows it exists but nobody knows anything about not nobody but the vast majority of people People. will just associate it with somebody who's overweight somebody who is unhealthy they brought it on themselves that Mm. kind of thing there are various different types of diabetes type one type two the main ones type one you don't have to be overweight you don't have to be eating loads of sugar it's just bad luck like the flick of a switch yeah, there's a what's like in Ireland because obviously we're both based in Ireland. Is it common in Ireland like, like type one and type two, like kind of putting them both unfortunately in the same basket here? 
Um, I know, I know. But, <laughs> but how, how, how prevalent is it in, uh, with the Irish population? I think there are about 40,000 type 1 diabetics in Ireland. Mm. I'm not entirely sure. And then, to be honest, with type 2, I'm not too sure. There would be more. There's always more type type 2s than type 1s. Yeah. But for type 1s, yeah, I think there's about 40,000. So it's not massive. But on average, I think in the States, annually, there's an initial like, or another 50,000 odd type 1 diabetics diagnosed every year. Jesus Christ. So it's important that people know something about it, you know, because yeah. 1 in 11 people worldwide are diabetic. So the more you know about something that is so prevalent, as you say, yeah. the, uh, the more potentially you can help somebody who's living with it or a family member who might might get it or whatever it is. Yeah, or just keeping yeah. keeping an eye on the old, um, the old symptoms for yourself. Exactly, 100%. Don't go as close as I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, within, within 48 hours of having your foot chopped off and dying. Yeah, oh, 100%. Well, is that, foot, is that true, actually? Because like, I've obviously heard it. I was like, do you want to lose a foot? I think it was, um, what was it? Do you remember Scrubs? Remember it, didn't watch it. You didn't watch Scrubs? No. It's one of those so I was Scrubs and Turk, the, uh, the, the doctor, um, I, was about to, I was about to say his race, but I'll probably get pulled off the air. <laughs> um, so Turk, the, the surgeon, he was diabetic and he was like, it's worth losing my foot. Is, is uh, losing body parts like possible? Absolutely, 100%. It's, I suppose that's one of the scariest long-term complications. So again, if your blood sugars are not managed well or are consistently high or fluctuating a lot, it affects the circulation in your body. It affects like your blood capillaries and, and all these kind of things, which, which obviously impact the blood flow around your body. So that's why, unfortunately, getting limbs chopped off, to put it that way, uh, is a concern and that's mm. something you obviously want to avoid you know so if you have uncontrolled let's call it uncontrolled diabetes for an extended period of time you're not getting proper yeah. blood flow to your limbs your fingers your toes whatever it may be so yeah you could you could need something like that done unfortunately Jeez. and that's why blindness is and any sort of eye issue is um is quite common with diabetics because the blood capillary well i can't even speak <laughs> so difficult word to say blood capillaries uh are obviously so small in your eyes and if your if your bloods are unmanaged mm. say again um they can kind of burst and affect your sight Gee. and i'm actually going for another eye test next week so i have to wow. get like a retina scan every six months to, to a year to make sure that you know, your, your eyes are doing all right yeah yeah jesus yeah i obviously, obviously kind of heard of that never knew anyone who was like has gone ahead and had a hand a foot a leg or whatever it may be but like it was if you mentioned like tv shows and, and like that just kind of brings us back to the level of education around diabetes like kind of you are nearly relying on television shows and sitcoms as your main source of education on these subjects Exactly. And that's why then it's no surprise that people will instantly think, oh, you'll get diabetes from eating that or eating too much sugar brings diabetes because 
vast majority of the time when you see a TV show or a film that has diabetes in it, it has something got to do with that. It's something like eating loads of pancakes or it's mm. something like eating a big ice cream sundae or whatever it is, um, which is just such a simplistic way to look at the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the harsh reality of it sometimes is realizing that those long-term, long-term complications can absolutely occur depending on how you manage it now. I try to get that across to people I work with. It's like when, when people kind of lose motivation to even be consistent, you know, motivation obviously is so different to consistency, but you can't just be motivated to manage your diabetes. And you can't yeah. just be motivated to get in shape because you yeah. need to just be so consistent. And I always say to people, it's like, what more motivation do you need to manage your blood sugar today than the idea of going blind or the idea of losing your foot or the idea of kidney, liver failure, Issues, yeah. heart stroke, or heart stroke, stroke, heart stroke, heart stroke. Um, Heart attack. <laughs> I'm stumbling off my words. Um, like I have a friend who is from the, is from Australia. One of her friends is, has been a type one diabetic since he was two, and he's now 28. Wow. Has never managed his blood sugars. Always neglected his management. Always just kind of taking the piss with his diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Has to get one of his feet amputated. I'm pretty sure he has done already, and he's 28. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's it. And it's like, you, you shouldn't need any more motivation to stay yeah. consistent with it because what you do today Affects is going to impact your, your diabetic health months, years down the line. So that's, that, can be, that can be the harsh reality of it sometimes. Too. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, like, this is obviously kind of taking a, no, a nice spin on that. Like having that like, negative, negative um, motivation because like I don't, I don't like using the word motivation, but knowing what's out there, if you do not cop the feck on, is a really good motivator. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's that kick up the hole to, to yeah. be like, if I don't do this, inevitably, X will occur. Yeah, and that's the reality of it. If you don't treat your diabetes seriously, if you don't look after yourself, if you don't do what you need to do each day these things can and potentially will occur. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you don't, you don't need much more reason to, no. to avoid it. That's all like, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's good to have that. Like whether that's, whether that's a husband or a wife, like kind of, if you don't cop the feck on, you're going to end up single again or lose your kids or lose the house, pay your bills, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, you're not as old as me, are you? We won't, we won't, we won't share your exact age. I'm not, I'm not 30 yet. Oh, um, <laughs> have you found, mate, that as you've kind of gone kind of further, deeper into your 20s, that you've gravitated more and attracted more of the holistic side of managing blood sugar as opposed to, as we mentioned earlier, like kind of just, just the health and fitness side, just the training, just the muscles, that you're getting men and women who are double your age in some, in some, um, in some instances that are coming to you, like not because you're tall, dark and handsome, but they're coming to you because you have a really good handle on managing blood sugar. Yeah. Big time. And I know we, we had this conversation briefly before we press record. A lot of people that come to me now will come through the podcast because 
they hear me talking about it. They understand that I'm really passionate about diabetes and diabetic health. And it obviously resonates with them and they feel that too. It's not, yeah, as you say, getting older, it's not so much now about just kind of like building muscle or losing fat as the primary goal. I know I said it, said it earlier on. I'm primarily now coaching people blood sugar wise, rather than just the fitness side of things. And as you get older and even just using myself as an example, as even I get older, you appreciate just being healthy more. Yeah. You know, I appreciate sleeping well. I appreciate getting up, not feeling like crap. I appreciate having energy through the day, being in a good mood. And so much of that will come down to my blood sugar, physically and mentally. If my blood sugar is within range, that a lot of the time will determine how I feel. Yeah. And other people feel that too. So if they know that, right, if my blood sugar is up and down, up and down, up and down, I'm going to feel like shite physically. I'm going to feel like shite mentally. If they know that if I can get a grasp on this, that can change everything. It's not just your bloods. It's how you feel, your energy, your mood. Much like wanting to build muscle or, or losing weight. It's not just about losing weight or building muscle and looking good. Yeah. It's about how you feel. It's about your energy, you know, your relationships with people whether or not you're in a you're in a good mood with your family or whatever it is it's it's the whole picture of being fit and healthy not just looking fit and healthy yeah and i i think like trust me when you when you go over that um get over that hill in a couple of years <laughs> don't be saying that yeah. well um, i said you look you look much younger that's because i'm red and i haven't got my beard <laughs> and i have my lovely halo light here in front of me <laughs> Um, but now it, it's something that like when my early years of being a coach and a PT, like kind of, it was all, uh, get ripped to hell, go to Ibiza, blah, 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 all that crack. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with Ibiza. It's the job. <laughs> but just like you find like kind of, especially since becoming a dad and a husband and mm. like, you just, the priorities shift completely. Like, and like being lean and ripped was here. Now it's like sixth and health is now up here. Like just being healthier and like living longer or being fit and if i end up being aesthetically aesthetically pleasing happy days if it doesn't happen okay we can just kind of wait a little bit longer and kind of just keep plugging away and that's the thing and a lot of the time looking like having a different body composition or looking differently will come in time with your different lifestyle and habits mm. you know like if you're exercising more over an extended period of time it's likely going to result in muscle building or it's likely going to result in you losing a bit of fat. But I don't like the idea of somebody just doing like a really intense, like six week crash fucking, yeah. di- excuse my language, like diet or training session or whatever it is, um, because it's not sustainable and it's not, it's not realistic and you're just going to go back to how you were anyway. Yeah. And that tying that into diabetes again, it's, it's important that you're able to play that long game of not just having good blood sugar for five, six weeks. It's about understanding how to have good blood sugar for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Because 
diabetes isn't going anywhere no. anytime soon <laughs> you know that, that's uh, that's going in the coffin would you like yeah 100 percent um so it's important that i understand how to treat things and that is the same with with fitness it's like if somebody wants to lose weight or if somebody wants to lose fat um, or build muscle, they need to understand how that happens rather than just following an intense six week program, because it's, it's not going to be maintainable then. Um, As you said, your, your priorities shift like you are now wanting to just be healthier, be fitter, like be around for your child, be around for your wife for a longer period of time you know it's not just about how how i look no not at all like you said that there like do the crash thing i put a post up there on like kind of um about being like a tie using um, i love an analogy i love an analogy i love them love an analogy so i use like kind of like i couldn't tie my own tie for my wedding like i can do a standard like get away with it like kind of skinny ass tie um but doing like a double windsor no way jose so I use the analogy of like kind of your diet and approach is like a double Windsor, like too loose. You're going to like see no results too tight. It's unsustainable. Like what's, what's, what's the gray? Like what's the, what's the, the middle option here? Get a coach, get someone to help you manage the principles and the longevity. And like, you can zig and zag to too tight and too loose intermittently, but the middle is where you want to be. Absolutely. I love, I love analogies. Analogy. I love, I love that analogy. It's a great one. It's yeah. Th- the important thing is that you understand because when nobody else is around, you're around with yourself. So you need to understand what's going to benefit you, what's not going to benefit you, how you can still move towards whatever health and fitness goal you have, despite maybe not having a coach at that time or not having any external, I say motivation, don't like the word mm, myself, yeah, but same. if somebody else is, is trying to keep you on track, it should be what you want. It should be you understanding how to keep things on track. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's my sixth chat, mate. Thank you, Dean. Appreciate where, it. Where can people find out about you, more about you and stalk you? So, <laughs> so my podcast is the Insulone Podcast, Redefining Diabetes. It's on any platform, really, Spotify, iTunes, all those ones. My website is insulon.com. So it's I-N-S-U-L-E-O-I-N. It's a play on insulin and Owen, obviously, if you haven't got it. And my social media, primarily Instagram, would be at insulon. So same spelling. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on, Dean. So absolutely love the chat, mate. Love it. Appreciate it. Take it easy. Cheers, Matt. Hey, that was...